Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Ardana Osban, here with my friend, Chavruta Ann Gordon. Our daf today, Masachet Gitin, daf Pei Dalet, page 84. Well, we're really in our last week of Masachet Gitin. Please pay attention to our CM information uh, that will take place on uh, August 13th. We have a great guest speaker, Rivka Lubitsch. Uh, there's more information on our Facebook page, uh, our WhatsApp group. Our email list served, and we look forward to seeing you all there as we wrap up Masachet Gitin. Just know we're wrapping it up a day earlier. The Masachet ends on Monday. We'll have our Siyam on Sunday. All right, now let's get to the staff. So uh, the beginning, most of the staff, what it's going to deal with is other types of conditions uh, and exploring whether these are conditions that will allow for a valid get. So the first condition that's discussed, which is not one that I'm going to read, is if a uh, husband says, I, this is your this is a get as long as you marry this particular man. And if she goes ahead and marries that man, there's a discussion that she doesn't actually have to leave that husband, even though that's not a condition that should have taken place. Um, I'm going to skip down to another one that takes place here, uh, which is a tanai, which is a condition that sort of no way could be fulfilled. In other words, it's 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 not something that's humanly possible to actually have uh, filled. And so it says the following: Tanai Right, so if a husband says this is your get as condition that you can go to the sky, or on condition that you can go to the depths, meaning you know go all the way down to the sea, on the condition that you swallow a four cubit reed, on the condition that you bring me a hundred cubit reed. On the condition that you can cross the Great Sea, meaning the Mediterranean Sea, by foot. A no get. This is not considered to be a valid get. Now, again, these are all conditions which could not be fulfilled. I was taken by, though, that at least for the first two conditions mentioned here, going up to the sky or to the depths of the sea, today actually is something that I guess you could say someone could do. You could go in an airplane or go in a submarine. But obviously, in the times of the Gemara, these were conditions that would not be able to be fulfilled. Rabbi Huda ben Tamo Maris, Rabbi Huda ben Tema says, Kaze get. He says, no, this actually is a get. Klal Amar Rabbi Huda ben Tema. And this is the general principle that Rabbi Huda ben Tema says. Kol tanai she'iv sharlo l'kaimo b'sofo, v'hitna alav mitzchilato, eno ela kemafliga b'dvarim v'kasher. Any condition that can't be fulfilled, even though the husband stipulates it, He's only hyperbolizing, I guess would be the way to say it, right? It's it's assumed he didn't really want to make that condition. He's just doing it to basically bother her. <laughs> um, and so therefore, it's still considered to be a valid get because the husband knows that that's not going to be fulfilled. But it's a way of sort of not giving the get nicely. And then the Gemara is going to go on to explain this um, a little bit more, um, you know, and bring some other sources about whether or not, you know, uh, conditions that can't be fulfilled are actually considered to be uh, conditions. And then it says basically that the, you know, that as long as the, the halacha is like Rabbi Huda ben Tema, this would be considered a valid get. Lamar goes on and then has another interesting case. Right? So let's say the husband says, this is your get on the condition that you eat pig meat, right? In other words, this is like totally against the Torah. It's like making her do an avera. So Abai says it's the same. In other words, it's a condition that can't be fulfilled because it's something that's forbidden by the Torah. So Rabbi says, no, she could fulfill it. She could eat it. And then she would just be punished. She would be flogged. And therefore, right, she would get malchus, the punishment of lashes. So the condition could be fulfilled. 
the Gemara then is going to go on to explain these opinions and, you know, try to bring other sources about whether or not these opinions make sense or don't make sense. Um, but it's very interesting to see, you know, that sort of this is, uh, that this is even a possibility. I do think that this is a boundary pushing example. I don't think that this is something that would be looked upon as an acceptable thing to do, but they're just playing with the idea of conditions and what type of conditions could put in place. Um, we're going to see a little bit more about this, and you're going to get to this part about, you know, I think the thing that's been making us uncomfortable throughout learning these DAPIM is the idea that conditions could exist at all. And so essentially what we're starting to see in these DAPIM is just a series of conditions and whether or not this would be considered an acceptable tonight or not an acceptable tonight. Right. So the fact that, that, you know, that there's even the possibility of an acceptable tonight, I think is an interesting one. We've mostly, you and I, Yardina, have taken issue with the idea of tonight because we know that they can be, that kind of thing can be abused. Here, it seems, I, I don't want to go too far, but I feel like the concern of Chazal is not that somebody's going to abuse the conditions, but that there's something like missing with the essence of the get to begin with once you start putting in conditions. Um, I, I, not, I'm not, I don't, I, that's just my sense. Okay, I'm jumping to towards the bottom of, towards the bottom, middle bottom of Amabet, where it quotes the Mishnah, where at the very end of the Mishnah, where it talks about a person who, instead of having oral stipulation, verbal stipulation of what the condition might be, actually wrote it in the get. And so the citation for the mission is right, where the husband wrote the condition inside the get in the bill of divorce. So Rav Safra says, we learned in that Mishnah that the, that the divorce itself is invalid if he wrote the qualification inside the divorce as compared to if he said it orally, meaning the implication that you could say the divorce is not kosher, not going to work. If you put it inside in writing, then the implication is that by saying it out loud should really be okay, perhaps, right? Um, and the discussion here also speaks to the case of the husband who writes it in the get and then erases it. And that was the Mishnah, right? Where the Mishnah, even though it's been erased, it doesn't matter because it was never written properly to begin with, so it was never kosher to begin with, so therefore it's not a valid divorce. Sheet the Gemara says, one second, this is obvious, right? We already know this because it says explicitly that he wrote it on the inside. So the Gemara says, well, Rav Safra is talking about the case of like to make sure that you would not think that it would apply if it was written only after, now this is talking about the inside part of the divorce, right? that it would apply like once you put the Tanai after the main, now I'm divorcing you part of the divorce, which has the names and the date, and so on. Aval, if Torah, but before that essential part, afilo al pen nami pasul. But if you somehow would have the stipulation of a, of a condition before that get would be written with that essential part of it, kamashman, that would also be the issue, right? You want to suggest that you could write it before then, but even then, even if you only said it out loud and not written, it would still be invalid. So Rav Safra's whole teaching is that the written qualification, when you put the written condition inside the get, it makes it invalid. The oral statement would not make it invalid. And therefore, right, the husband could just give her the get. And all he has to do 
to make the thing be valid is to not talk, right? Like he just has to not say the condition and the get will be fine as compared to the issue of if he's already written and he's trying to erase it. Now you've got a whole problem of rewriting, you know, starting again. The Rava Amar and Rava says, Lo shanu for they're only talking about this when, you know, if you're going to put in a condition after that main part of a divorce that already has the names and the date and so on, I believe he says very clearly, if you're trying to stipulate it before the writing of that those details, then it's going to be invalid. But as the Rav and Rav follows his own line of reasoning, namely, the Rava had a policy. He says, tell the people, he, or he told the people who would do the writing, meaning the scribes, right? And whatever supervising rabbis there would be there, you know, make sure that the husband himself is silent until you've written that essential part, the part with the details of the names and the date and so on. Because the moment he stipulates a verbal condition, as far as Revel was concerned, you've got an invalid get. Meaning, if the stipulation, if the condition is going to be before that part, that Torah part of the get was written. The Gemara goes on, and this is, becomes really fascinating, because we've moved on from the particulars here about, you know, really, the particulars of all, everything we've seen. We have a very sweeping statement that the Chazal learned that all conditions that are in a bill of divorce invalidate it. So the question is, what does this really mean, right? Because we've just gone through pages and pages of conditions, and perhaps it's really about it being written. Meaning the moment you write something in, we know that's going to invalidate it. So then when the rabbi, when the meaning that was Rabbi Udanasi, who makes the first statement, right? And then Divrei um, Rebbe, the Chachamim Omrim, the sages say, right, the group of them, the unnamed group, that the moment you're talking about oral um, conditions, right, anything that would puzzle uh, get orally would also puzzle it in writing, and anything that would not puzzle it orally would not puzzle it in writing. So it seems that this discussion is particularly about conditions that are set in writing. And is it really the case that, like Rebbe says, that any written condition is going to be a problem that's going to invalidate the get? Or might it actually be that you can, the same way that you have some that are problematic and some that are not, or if you stipulate them orally, then you could do that also here. Chutz sheposel al and this comes back, Yerdena, to the to your reading when you started with the Mishnah some days ago, right? The question of Ella, does it mean chutz or does it mean alpeh? Does it mean to leave something out, right? And then that would be something that invalidates even orally. That would also invalidate in writing. And then if it's almanat, meaning for the purpose of, if that's the kind of condition that it is, then that would, the same way it doesn't invalidate it orally, it would not invalidate it in writing. On Rebbe Zera, Machloket Lifnei Torah, the Rebbe Savar Gazrina Almanat Atuchutz, Rabbanan Savre, Lo Gazrina Almanat Atuchutz. So then they say, okay, we basically we have this dispute, right, between if, you, if you've got a condition that's a chutz, that's an exclusionary condition or an inclusion condition, and then we have a machloket, a dispute whether 
you're writing it before or after that essential part of the get with the dates and the names, namely the Torah. So Rabbi Zera says that that whole discussion is only when you're talking about before the Torah to begin with. Can you include a condition up there? Well, we've got a machloket. According to Rebbe, then the whole comment of Almanat will include chutz. And rab- the rabbis say, no, we don't include chutz when we're talking about an Almanat kind of condition. But after the Torah, then everybody will agree, meaning Rebbe and the Rabbanan will all agree that you can include a stipulation after the Torah. But it's very strange because, we, right, this the I would say it's not fair to say that the statements here are not clear, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say they're not as organized in the way that we might think to do so, to set it up linearly, right, where you're going to say, okay, these are the conditions, this is the the situation if you're talking about before the Torah, after the Torah. Instead, the machloket happens, and now we're going to figure out, well, where does it apply to? And we know this is classic Gemara, but in this case where it seems so organized, I think to begin with, the, the language of it is so clear in their machloket. We, you know, they disagree vehemently on very clear things. And then it's not so clear that they really disagree once you add in the other details and you put it in the right situation. And they actually completely agree that you can actually sometimes, in fact, make conditions that will be upheld by everybody. Well, I think we were like waiting for this statement of Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, right? Like the, it's been very bothersome, this whole idea of, of condition of Tanai. And sort of comes and says like, nah, we're <laughs> If it's written, if it's written, we're not going to allow it. And then right, it turns out I, that it's... But I think that's the point. I mean, right. But I'm also taken by like the distinction between written and oral. Like it, it's not intuitive. You actually would think it should be the opposite. Correct. I agree with you 100%. You would think that something's oral, like who's going to uphold it? Who even knows what was said? So I it's wonder not, you if know... that's the case. So I wonder if that's the case. Like in a way, he's conceding, like we'll allow some tonight. Because I think there's also a historical piece here, which is Rabbi Huda Nesi is the last generation of the Tanayim. So we see before him, clearly Tanayim were allowed. Right, we should not keep using the same word. Conditions were allowed. Tanayim right, were allowed. And then he's sort of the last of the the Tanas of this Mishnaic period, and he comes along and says, we're not going to allow it. But I guess my question is, when he sort of says oral will be allowed, how enforceable could that actually have been? So I almost wonder if he's allowing something that just couldn't take place. That's an interesting question. I'm going to just note that on the next, the top of the next daf, right before the new Mishnah, and we're probably not going to address this again tomorrow, although you never know, but it says, it says that Tano Avuda Rav Amin Kameda Rebbe Zera. So Rebbe Zera, who's our same Rebbe Zera here, who's like trying to make Seder, who's trying to make order out of all of this. So the father of Rebbe Amin says, if you have a condition, then everybody agrees that it's invalid. And Rebbe Zera says, everybody says it's invalid. What do you mean? Everybody just, like, we just saw all this disagreement. How can you say everybody thinks it's invalid? And so then they have to figure out exactly what the case is that everybody agrees is invalid as compared to, again, to this machloket. So I feel like, I feel like, I think you're right, Yardina, that there's a lot more kind of like driving the different sides of this dispute than is necessarily evident in the actual, you know, in, in the actual matters of the, like, you have yes and you have no, or kasher and the pasul, whatever, but 
the I feel like the, it's the tip of the iceberg and we're see and and I don't always feel that way right like sometimes you can tell that they they provide their reasoning here I don't think there's so much providing their reasoning yeah I hear what you're saying I don't know I think we just need to like pay attention to this I I I, I maybe I'm trying to rehabilitate the Gemara in a way that isn't true but I just you know I'm trying to give some something to hold on to that this wasn't an acceptable practice well, well, I'll give you, here's a, wait, wait, I have, I have a defense for you, Yardena. The fact that they don't let the conditions appear, not even orally, above the Torah, right, above that main, these are the people and this is the, this is the date and so on, right? So if it were allowed that you could put conditions into the basis of any divorce, any, you know, um, blank-faced people, right? You don't know who they are, you don't know what the details are, but they'll come and there'll be a condition, right? If you could allow that, that I think would like be a counter to what you're saying. But in this case where they say you can't have any conditions unless you're talking about these very specific people and their very specific terms kind of diminishes the, the eagerness to put in conditions, let's say. Uh, okay, I think that that's fair. I think that's a fair read of that. Well, that's our top discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Reverend Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this stuff on our Talking Time at Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn. 